Hey guys, this is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard. I want to recognize our incredibly generous sponsors, Cheyenne Wolford of Custom Concrete Specialists, John Fallowich, Fallowich Construction Services, Jim Cover, Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, Danny Arroyo, WorkSafe Consulting, and Building Omaha, a collaboration between the Nebraska Electrical Contractors Association and the IBEW. Thank you, one and all. You are true believers in workplace safety and health, and I appreciate you. All right, let's get into today's episode. It is Friday, October 21st, and I know this because... It got cold as hell this week. It did get cold, man. (laughs) And you guys all know Aaron Cerrone. Everybody knows Aaron. Thanks for being here, buddy. Um, My birthday was October 18th. Oh, good. Happy birthday. Yeah, man. Thank you. I knew that. You You knew that. that. Yeah, I tell everybody. I remember we had that conversation. I'm like, oh, it's not a special birthday. (laughs) That's right. It's not a special number. Who gives a shit? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But then my mother's birthday is the 19th. And then my Uncle Bob, his birthday is the 20th. So this week is back to back to back. Fletcher birthdays. you guys used to have combined party? Uh, We never did the combined parties. My mom and I probably did at some point. You know, having a, you know, at this as adults, we've probably had a combined party. We're having a party for my mom, actually, this Saturday. Okay, which is really interesting, man. And I don't know if this has anything to do with anything, but <laughs> which it does not. Do any of our conversations <laughs> <Right>. ever? <laughs> Typically not. But my mother's birthday is this uh, was on Wednesday, and so we're having a party on Saturday evening. So my brother and all his family have come into town, which is you know his wife's son's grandson. Uh, one of my boys is back. Uh, my wife and I are hosting the party. Nice. How, how old is your mom turn? My mom's going to be 85. Okay, that's a good number. A big, yeah, that's, 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 a, a, that's, a, that's a celebratory yeah. number. Absolutely. And then, and then the interesting part of this is um, my mother has three nieces uh, that were her brothers who I've known but have not spent time with for a long time. In fact, two of the three I haven't seen in probably 35 years. And so they are coming into town. We invited them, and they live all over the country. And they're coming into town. So this weekend will be actually a really little reunion. It'll cool. be a nice little reunion. Yeah. yeah it, it, um, you know, time just goes so fast, man. And those people at your family and people in your life that oh, you want to, st- we talked about this, that you yeah. should stay in touch with and you don't. And it's easy to rationalize being busy and all those other things. And you get that phone call. So-and-so passed. You're like, yeah. Oh, shit. Well, that's, you know, that's what's happening in my world now. All my yeah. friends and family, you know, so I've had two, two in the last month. Of friends of yours, yeah, that are your age. These are guys that are approximately uh, no, your no, age. No, 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 they're older, older than me. Older guys, uh, but still, you know, you you lose touch with people, and then you get that phone call, and you're like, God, you do, and, and you have every intention to get in touch with them, and then you know, five years goes by, yeah, and you make excuses. We rationalize all that <laughs> shit. Well, um, I do want to say one quick thing, and and again, this is something that um, you and I have talked about. I, um, you know, I I I am a member of the family of mid-america martial arts you know the gym that that aaron owns and, and operates here in omaha nebraska um i've been going there for about four years now and it's you know you be, it's it's a small community of family you know you get pretty tight with most of the people and so it's two sides primarily there is the the, the stand-up side the uh, kickboxer side right. and then on the other side is that guys that roll around stuff what is that called <laughs> the jujitsu side men in pajamas yeah men in pajamas side and so i have been on the standing up side most of my life and but i look with some interest we try in, to stay above ground most of our exactly life. <laughs> <laughs> right but that other side um there's a pretty good contingent of 
men and women that are doing the, the jiu-jitsu side. And it is something that I'm not familiar with. So I, I came to you about a month ago and said, could I take some jujitsu? And you immediately went over and checked the batteries in the AED, I think, and then said, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, what good. the hell? <laughs> Let's give it a shot. So, you know, you paired me up with Marcus, one of the one of your instructors, and we've been doing these lessons. And it is incredibly challenging. It is a really cerebral uh, activity, come to find out, which you didn't warn me about. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... I think one, it's anything new, like anything, you know, because I'll have people who spent most of their time on one side, on either side, and then dip their toe in the water on the other side. And they're just like, oh my God, I didn't realize there's all, more to it. Are, there's more to it than just punching someone in the face. Like mm -hmm. there are the nuances mm -hmm. are until you get into it. Uh, Jiu-jitsu is very much like a, a human chess match. It is. You know? It's remarkable. And the, it's very much a thinking person's game. I mean, mm -hmm. you can get in there and just nuts and bolts and just like any sport, mm -hmm. you can just, mm -hmm. just nuts, try to like, just, uh, just Godzilla, rough your way through Godzilla it, sure. your way through it. But yeah. it, it is very much a thinking person's game. And, and what's interesting about it is, and I, and I use chess as a, um, a common ground, you know, chess is very much trying to stay two and three moves ahead of the person mm -hmm. right? a good chess mm -hmm. player is like three moves ahead of you and right. they just lead you down a path of destruction right well i always equate to jiu-jitsu that it's a chess match but the board's moving at the same time mm -hmm. and and the other the opponent's trying to rip your head off well i mean there's <laughs> right. that but you know the checkmate is ultimately uh, exactly tap out but, the tap, yeah. but it, it, it's it's the pieces are moving and the board is moving mm -hmm. and you're trying to navigate this. And oh, by the way, you got somebody resisting it the whole time. Mm -hmm. So, and every time you go to that game, the chessboard is changing on you. Right. So it's never the same game twice. Right. That's really interesting. Um, so that's, you know, but, you know, it's, it's easy to fall into that mode of just brute force and brute strength. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, the evolution of, of, your journey on jujitsu is to, to, to move away from that and become more of the chess player. Mm -hmm. I mean, all, it is a sport, right? So all else equal, bigger, faster, stronger will win still. Right. Mm -hmm. All, but all else equal. Yes. But there's a, there's a great equalizer in that someone who's not bigger, faster, stronger, but is the better chess player. Absolutely. Can neutralize that. Right. I get smoked in chess by my sons all the time. They're, <laughs> they're much better. And now I would get smoked at jujitsu or anything else because they're young men who are sure. very strong and athletic and stuff. But, but I find it fascinating. I've been watching some on TV, which is, I don't know about that. You know, there are so many instructional channels. So, so to go to one that, you know, that is good information, that is useful information. It's tough is because define useful and define good. Yeah. Um, when you, the, the, the beauty of, of martial arts in general. But jujitsu in particular, and, and Muay Thai, the more the the arts that were predicated on the sport of fighting. So Muay Thai was never meant to be like a martial art uh, for the study of betterment of self. It was a sport from the get go. Mm -hmm. Two guys in a ring and let them beat the crap out of each other. Mm -hmm. And Muay Thai actually evolved from a weapon art called Caprika Brong, which. Anybody knows the history of martial arts, most martial arts, especially the combative martial arts, um, evolved from a weapon art. Because you would never, in any kind of warring culture, you would never go into a fight without a weapon. It just mm -hmm. doesn't make mm -hmm. sense, mm -hmm. right? And then if you lose the weapon, now now you go to a hand-to-hand. -hand, so the, the movements would mimic. Um, 
jujitsu was developed initially in Japan, then the Brazilians kind of took it over and Mm -hmm. and adopted it. But it it was always meant for the idea, a smaller guy against a bigger guy, but it was combative in nature immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so those uh, type of, uh, of arts um, tend to uh, track. It was never meant for, Hey, come learn these forms just for this for the cerebral mm-hmm. type of betterment of self. It, it, it was it was competitive mm-hmm. from the get go. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and I forgot where I was going with that because I got into the story. But no, no, absolutely, uh, man. So, but w- when you have those type of arts, you know, so that competitive piece is is always there, and and it's it's hard to get away from not comparing yourself in that manner did i win or did mm-hmm, i lose mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so so when people initially get in there it's like did i win or did i lose and and then as soon as you get past that and you start to go okay there's more to this than just winning or losing and and there's lots of ways you know just like in football it's like there's how many different offensive schemes and, and different plays can you do mm-hmm. so when you uh the beauty of jiu-jitsu is is like there's so many different ways to do things. So when you ask a black belt, you can ask a hundred black belts how to do an arm bar. And you might get a hundred different answers. Right. And the question is, well, which one's right? And it's like, well, yes, they're all correct. They're mm-hmm. all ways of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the the beauty of it is there's, there's so many ways that you can adapt it to what you do or what mm-hmm. you want to do. But it's also confusing for somebody in the beginning because it's like, what's ground truth here. Right. And so it makes, it makes learning difficult it makes teaching difficult because at some point you have to dial it back and go okay here's the backbone of how we're going to teach this and then as we progress a student now we start to say okay now look at all this stuff because if you give somebody all the bells and whistles and candy too early mm-hmm. it can be overwhelming and now they're going in all different directions and and nothing really develops mm-hmm in a sound man the foundation doesn't develop this is what i'm finding to be true yeah it's a little bit overwhelming because i uh you know initially i you know it is very um intellectually stimulating to try to figure out these and be, you know be able to get to a position where you can anticipate but when you're a beginner you're just trying first of all just trying to survive right and second trying to to grasp basic concepts mm-hmm. or basic moves or positions whatever and so in my in my um impatience i go on the youtube and i watch videos and i'm watching gordon ryan and all these you know the top level guys and it doesn't make any sense it would be like watching somebody split atoms when you you know well because you're seeing the you're seeing the detonation of the nuclear bomb right seeing everything that makes that exactly happen yes right and and uh and, and you you having studied science can appreciate that it's like you saw the bomb go off, but you don't understand the splitting of the atom to make that happen. Right, right, right. Um, and and I, I think that's that's I equate martial arts to music in a, in a lot of ways. Like I'm learning drums, and mm-hmm. it's been one of the most humbling experiences of my life. But it, you know, there's so much to learn in martial arts, just like there's so much to learn in music. But if you throw someone in a room with all the instruments in the world, said go, <laughs> right. they're gonna go. What? Right, right. Oh wow! And so it, but yeah. it would be chaos because it's like, well, which instrument? And you can play this instrument a hundred different ways. And I can play that one a thousand different ways. And I find like when I am playing the drums and taking my lesson, I'm the same way. Hey, I heard this. Can you show me this? Mm -hmm. Or hey, how about, and the lesson always, he always pulls me back to some type of foundational music concept. Right. Just saying, okay, 
I know you want to do this, but you can't, you have to understand this first. Mm -hmm. And it's always, it always comes back to understanding your four, four timing or your four, two time or whatever it happens to be. And then I go, Oh, Mm -hmm. and then you realize that once you understand the foundational concept, this fancy thing isn't really all that fancy anymore. Right. And it's just rooted in that concept. But I tried to jump to here yeah. and he'll always pull me back, which makes me laugh because that's what I do in, in my mm-hmm. own gym. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of parallels yes. to that. And, you know, when you you could go to a hundred different drumming instructors and get taught a hundred different yeah. ways, but they'll yeah. all usually pull you back to foundational music concepts right. because otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. And so, so if I go on YouTube and like, oh, look at Bonham, look at, <laughs> right. you know, Pert, look at this and look at that. Yeah. It's like, oh, they're doing all these crazy things. But then when you strip it down, they're all doing the same thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the same time. That's interesting. I, I found that to be true, too. And, and interestingly, we do that as well. We uh, and we'll do our workouts. I'm, you know, thinking way beyond what I'm capable of, you know, right. I saw this last night and I just see the look on his face like, Oh Jesus, <laughs> you know, just, let's just work on the basics, man. You know, I think that if I can just accomplish the basics over the next five years, if I'm able to keep doing it for five years, I would be really satisfied just to learn the basics, you know, you know, and basics win fights is, is the old motto. And when you really look at fighting, uh, everything devolves back to the white belt level. Mm hmm. Those basics, those core the, fundamentals. The, the basic movement at the right time mm-hmm. usually wins. Mm-hmm. And so most martial arts in general, your, your foundational concepts and movements, the, the white and yellow belt level, for however you want to talk about it, um, everything else is just extrapolation of that and, and fluff, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. And, you know, when push comes to shove and the shit hits the fan and, and people are in a fight, it's always the white belt stuff. You look at any fighting. Um, once in a while, the fancy move will get pulled off, but that's by far the mm-hmm. exception than the rule. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And the, the guy that masters the basics the fundamentals very best. efficiently and very effectively usually wins. Yeah, that's an interesting comment. Nine point nine times out of ten, and and I think that that permeates in all aspects of life. You know, it's you know at, at the business college. There's so many different business concepts and management concepts and this, that, and the other thing. And it all comes back to basics. Mm-hmm. You know, when people ask me about different management styles and I go, don't make assumptions, treat people with dignity and respect. You're not going to have any problems. Mm-hmm. It all, it'll Listen. all, it'll all come back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting. You can read a, a million management books, but it's all going to come back to that basic foundation. Right. right. And, and so, uh, and, and I think martial arts really exemplifies that, but you don't realize it until you get deep into it. And then you get to a point where you're learning all this stuff and all of a sudden you have this epiphany one day and you look back and you go, your goal initially is to get, take it all in and, and learn as much and, and make, build your toolbox as big as you can. And then one day you go back and you go, I need to get rid of all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fluff. And then, and then you go back to you go back to the little toolbox with mm-hmm. like five tools in it. It's kind of like that minimalism it's just a, it's just approach, evolved, right? Yeah. Just, and and um, what do I absolutely need versus all the other? What's what am I going to need nine point nine times out of ten? What's always going to have to be there? And then maybe I have a bell and whistle for mm-hmm. exceptional occasions, but for the most part, you know, it's just it's the typical journey. It's like. Grow, 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 build, 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 absorb, absorb, collect, collect, and then strip it back down. Mm-hmm. And then you go right back 
to score yeah. on. That is so interesting that you make the parallel to leadership and safety, even though we're speaking about something different on on its surface. Uh, leadership, safety are exactly that, and they should they typically need to be stripped down to those basic principles because we always have a tendency to want to get fancier and fancier and fancier. And I hear people in my world, the safety world, talking about, oh, I just we're doing this now and we're doing that, but we're not we're not doing the basics well. And it doesn't it doesn't really support that. And it often crumbles back down. You know, if those those fundamentals aren't in place, all of that other mm-hmm. fluff doesn't necessarily help. We tend to to overthink things as humans. We tend mm-hmm. to try to make something bigger than what it is because we always have this idea it needs to be bigger than what it is. And and simple simple is powerful. I have mm-hmm. that sign up in my gym. Simple is powerful. Yeah. And but we can't we have this this drive to it. Well, it's got to be more than simple. There's got to be more to it than that. I got to make it bigger than that. Mm-hmm. If I don't make it bigger than that, then I'm not progressing or I'm not showing change or I'm not showing the bosses that I'm forward thinking. And it's like, you know, when has anybody ever, ever had a new leader come in or a new CEO come in or in the military, a new, a new commander come in and, and the person look around and goes, looks good. Keep going. Right. Never, never, never. Yeah. They'll always try to make some kind of change. They'll always try to improve, which don't get me wrong. And you should always try to improve, but that doesn't mean you should always change or turn it on its head. Mm-hmm. But, but I think we get caught up and it's got to be more than what it is. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be more often than not. It doesn't need to be. And it, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be, uh, especially in safety. It, sh- it should be probably the most simple programs you could possibly yeah. create. Why? Because the ramifications are catastrophic if yes. not and if it's too complicated we know it gets too difficult to mm-hmm. execute and there or the variation creeps in and people cut corners and errors happen and then here we are yeah doing the after action report um be, because we made it harder than it needed to be mm-hmm. so great point. um I, I, you know basics win fights and, and i think that applies to safety probably more than anywhere, mm-hmm. right? How can we make this program as simple as possible? Yeah. That overcomplication thing is really a problem. hundred really percent. You know, it's, it's like a, it's like a meeting, you know, there's that, there's that um, approach that no meeting should last more than 15 minutes. Have you ever been in an annual safety meeting that's lasted 15 minutes? No. Oh, it's all day. Yeah. They're all day. And it's, I mean, people want it to be all day. At least the people that are in control, they think it needs to be all day. Right. And and I think right there's an example of overcomplicating part of a program because of why all day. Yeah. They're checked out after the first half hour. Right. And and if it's that much information, why wasn't that spread out in little 15 minute chunks Mm -hmm. all throughout the year? Right. So so this leads us directly into the the actual topic of the day, (laughs) which was a presentation you gave at the Encore Safety Network last week. Uh, we had a program within that group, that collaboration that we have with Ella Brock Norris, and your presentation, which I plagiarized shamelessly on the last episode. We're all stealing stuff. No one's <laughs> no one's making up right, new stuff right. anymore. That's why I always laugh at when people are like peddling their books or uh-huh. or like who's creating anything at this point. Very very few people. You know what I mean? But it's but so the funny. concept of being unconventional was what you were talking about, and you you gave a number of elements. Uh, that that oftentimes lead to uh, either oversights or, mm-hmm. you know, we mentioned blind spots. You mentioned a few others. I was wondering if you could just spend a few minutes kind of describing the intent of that 
presentation when you talk about being unconventional? Yeah, you know, so the whole point, actually, it's it's a it's a topic I talk about in my entrepreneur class, you know, uh, small businesses coming out of the gate. When you're trying to compete in a market where there's entrenched competitors, established competitors, how do you gain ground? Like, how do you win? And, and by win, get some market share, get some notoriety, get some eyes on your product, and you're not going to outspend them. Like who, so right. you're not going to, so you got to kind of try to outmaneuver them. You got to do some things that are a little more unconventional and, and, and try to make do with what you have. Cause you don't have a lot of money. You don't have a lot of resources. It might be just you. So how do you pull that off? And, and this idea of being unconventional and w- one of the aspects of that is, you know, what aren't the other people doing? What aren't the other companies doing? And can you do that? Can you occupy that space? Can you take that approach? Uh, and, and some industries uh, get stale. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been much change in a while. It's just is what it is. It's just blah. Um, what I would say is bowling, bowling alleys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think about bowling alleys, bowling was very popular when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Every town had a bowling alley. It, yeah. was, it was almost a national pastime bowling uh, I grew up, I was in a bowling league. All the kids were Friday mm-hmm. night, Friday mm-hmm. after school bowling league. All our parents were in a bowling league. Dad was Tuesday night bowling. Mom was Thursday night bowling. So bowling was, was almost an American pastime. And, but every bowling alley you went into was exactly the same, mm-hmm. exactly the same. And then uh, they started getting stale and no one was really doing anything because it's bowling. What, what can you really do with it? I remember on Saturday afternoons watching the PBA, Professional mm-hmm. Bowling oh, yeah. Association, right? And Earl Anthony and all those guys. For, right? and, Weber, uh, wasn't there a guy named Pete Weber? Pete yeah. Weber or somebody? Senior and junior. Yeah. Um, but, and then, you know, kind of like the 90s and 2000s, you started seeing them play with it a little bit. You started seeing Cosmic Bowl. And on Saturday nights, they would take the lights off and it would mm-hmm. glow neon. And mm-hmm. they're just trying to reinvigorate mm-hmm. uh, the bowling industry. And... Now you see them, they got these big elaborate bar, sports bars oh, yeah, them and restaurants serving pizza and stuff. Uh, but, but you see that industry die. And I think it's because it got too stale for too long. And then the reinvigoration came a little too late. Yeah. Uh, and, and people just, it just went out and it mm-hmm. wasn't in vogue anymore. So it, it's, it's st- what's gotten stale when you look around to find where you can fit your business, what's gotten stale in an industry. You don't have to bring something new to the table. It's like, I hate the idea of, I hate the word entrepreneur. I teach the damn class and I mm-hmm. hate the word because mm-hmm. I think it's overused. Mm-hmm. It's very cliche-ish when I'm an entrepreneur, which immediately is like, I'm successful. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not a business owner. Like oh, business owner. <laughs> right, I own, right, yeah. uh, you must be a plumber. You know, right? right. I own a piece and, of shop. Well, I'm an entrepreneur, which gives mm-hmm. this, this aura of I'm successful. I'm mm-hmm. like this forward thinker. Um, so it, it's what, but I think is entrepreneurial have an entrepreneurial mindset is, is can you find areas where people stop paying attention? Uh, like in my mind, coffee shops have gotten stale. Mm-hmm. What's really changed about a coffee shop mm-hmm. in forever? The cost. What, yeah, yeah. When I was <laughs> right. When I was in college, a coffee shop was this weird little place that smelled weird <laughs> and <laughs> was like like a recycled bookstore uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. that exactly. all the all the tree huggers went to for like yep. sorry yep. uh and it was kind of like that's where the, the people on the fringe of society hung right out. and then right and then it it went mainstream but mm-hmm. since then really they're all kind of cookie cutter mm-hmm. so you know when i talk to my students i'm like what could you do to a coffee shop that could just 
give it a different look, give it a different approach. You're still selling coffee. The nuts and bolts of it are still there, but it's kind of stale, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all the same. What's really different mm-hmm. around town. And it's so funny. People get excited. Oh, a new coffee shop. And you walk in, you're like, okay, it's just uh-huh. white walls instead of brown walls, like big right. deal. Right. Uh, so, you know, when we look at our, uh, the safety programs, which was the point of, I was relating all this to safety is like, you know, we, we tend to ignore things in our safety programs. They get stale. It's they like, you just haven't stale. paid attention to it. Like we've, well, we've always done it this way. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, that might be true. It works, but, but is it still having the same impact that it was mm-hmm. when you first started doing mm-hmm. it? Like we stop seeing things after a while. That's why in grocery stores, they move stuff around. Cause we stop seeing things. We get into our routine. We know the things we want to buy and we go flying through the store and then they change it on us. You're like, God damn it. The soup used to be right here. Where is it? <laughs> right. And they do that. That, that is purpose, a great analogy. Right. They yeah. do that because they want you to pick your head up and relearn the store. Cause mm-hmm. you start seeing things you weren't seeing before and you'll start right. buying stuff you didn't buy before. And we need to do that with the safety programs because people stop seeing things. Mm-hmm. That's a great, like I promise you, and, and you know this, when, when you go and inspect the place, if you want to ask someone said, Hey, where's the fire extinguisher? I don't know. I think it's, I think it's over there here somewhere, right? It's been in the same spot for 20 years, but people yeah. just stop seeing it or they forget where it is. It's right. just, you know, the poster has been on the wall. It has dust on it now. Like stuff we we've stopped thinking about and talking about. Mm-hmm. So it, it's stale. So we need to reinvigorate it. And it could be just something simple as changing the colors on it. So people start seeing it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it has to still be that way. Mm-hmm. You need to change things. You need to come up with different ways of presenting information, presenting different concepts. Um, just having different people present the same information keeps it fresh and alive because mm-hmm. you're going to say things differently than I will. Mm-hmm. And you'll say it in a way that might resonate with somebody that won't. If I say it and I'll say it in a way that might resonate with that someone, someone else that didn't resonate with you. So you have to get away from this mode of, well, Hey, it's up and running. It's working. I can just forget about mm-hmm. it now. Yeah. Cause that's when the chaos will start to set in. And that is a trap when it is working. It appears to be working. We don't have any problems. So we assume it's working, which may or may not be true. And so we just stay with it. I think like, just like you said, I mean, um, training in particular, we've done this, training the same way for so long Mm -hmm. we thought the change was going from vhs to like a dvd it's the exact same material but we just have a different format and now all of a sudden we've made a change and man now you've still got a bunch of people sitting in front of a video monitor sleeping i have to check myself on it too especially at the gym when when i'm you know i'm i've owned the gym for 20 years we're doing martial arts for since 1986 uh, it's easy for me to get in a mode of teaching things the same way. And I have to stop myself and change it up one to keep myself still interested right. and then prevent the students from getting bored with it. So I have to constantly come up with different ways of disguising repetition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a right? great, that's a great description. If they're getting the reps cause they need the reps, you know, the, the 10,000 hour concept, you need the deliberate practice, but I have to figure out how to get you to do it in, in as many different ways as possible. So you don't get bored and stale with it. Mm-hmm. I that's love hard. That. That's right? a great that's hard. disguising the reps. You know, so how do we, in our safety programs, get people to continue to be safety minded, but it always seems fresh and new to them mm-hmm. and, and they stay invigorated and it stays on the, the tip of the tongue on the top of their mind. 
they're not just forgetting about it and starting to ignore it anymore. And, and it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard to do because it forces you to be creative. It forces you to be a little bit innovative, if you want to use a buzz term. And it just forces you to think outside the box. It forces you to think. It forces you to think. Like I can't just get lazy and just get this thing up and running and then move on to something else. You mm-hmm. have to tend to it. Right. And, and if you don't tend to it, it will get stale and then forgotten about and then ignored and then not done. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that. I love that. Disguise the reps because we know that if you want to improve at something, first of all, you have to practice the reps correctly. Right. You know, practice, practice makes make permanent. Yes, it doesn't it, make perfect. Correct. So we have to practice correctly, but disguising the reps so that you don't, so that it doesn't seem mundane or it doesn't mm-hmm. seem just overly repetitious. That's a great mindset and 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 it works on both sides like if i'm the safety leader in charge of the program if i'm always looking for new ways to present information new ways to do something i'm continually learning as well Mm -hmm. i can't tell you how many times i've gone back to how can i teach this differently and then i i learned oh yeah i forgot about that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. myself right yeah i forgot about this this series of movements. I haven't taught that in a while. Right. So you go back and, and, and you go back through your programs in an intent to reinvigorate them and you go, geez, this is out of date. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at this in a while. Right. Clearly I haven't taught it in a while. Right. And thank God, cause it would have been taught wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so the, there's, there's benefits on both sides, right? You are constantly refreshing, constantly updating. I'm keeping my mind in the game and on top of the latest and greatest information. And, and I, and I'm learning too, right? You don't, so a lot of times you don't realize how much you don't know until you try to teach it. That's a great point. And then you, and then, and you're teaching it, you know, there's, I can't tell you how many times I've been teaching it. I'm like, what the hell? Why aren't they getting it? And then I go, oh shit, I'm teaching it wrong. Right. Yeah, or missing like, a step or whatever like, oh, it is. Yeah. You know, and it's it's you realize, oh damn it. And now mm-hmm. so which could be catastrophic in a safety world. Absolutely. You think you're doing it right just because you're not paying attention and you're like, Oh crap, we've been doing this wrong the whole time. Mm-hmm. I totally set them up for failure. Yeah. Not not intentionally, because I thought it was right, and then but I just I got I got stale. I got into that just routine, you know comfort breeds complacency mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then i got complacent and went oh crap i'm teaching it wrong yeah that's interesting and i think you know in the safety world we talk a lot about doing annual reviews of programs or re, you know revisiting annual training or whatever at and, a minimum and and um i think that just becomes oftentimes just this pencil whip you know oh it's the same program there's yep, nothing wrong. still there just, yep all good still there just change the date you know annually i update the date or something but I think we need to do that with intent. I think we need to do that with how can I find not 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 necessarily to change it, because as it may actually sure be an effective program. But how can I re-deliver the message? How can I maybe repackage the message so that it doesn't become well? Stale? And the person who created it really shouldn't do the review. And that's a blind spot thing you were talking 100%, about. Hundred percent, and get a different set of eyes on it. Mm-hmm. It's like when you write a paper in college. If you're the only one that ever looks at it, it will have mistakes in it. Mm-hmm. You stop seeing things after a while. No doubt. Then you get somebody else to read it, and they're like, dude, you spelled the wrong right mm-hmm. off the bat. Mm-hmm. And you First stop word. seeing that eight hours ago. Yeah, uh, you, you need to have multiple eyes in, in these reviews and, and let people go through it that maybe have never seen it before. And say, hey, can you go through this and, and tell me what you think? 
uh, and give me an honest beat it up, beat mm-hmm. it up for me. And they might start reading through it and they're like, this whole section makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So they ask some questions and now you're put in a position where you have to actually understand it and address those questions. And I think you that might would be go useful. back and read and you're like, wow, that doesn't make sense. It made sense to me at the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and um, if it doesn't make sense to you, there's probably other people that didn't make sense too. And then it's like, well, how, how would, how would you write it or what can we do to make it better? Or, mm-hmm. and so now you are refreshing the program. Like again, you, you're doing an annual review with intent and, and sometimes it needs to be more than an annual review. You, you know mm-hmm. how quick the safety yeah. world changes, you know how quick That's the policy change. And, and it's, it's, it's not just what's in front of you, the, the second and third order effects. A lot of times like new policy comes in our new legislation comes in and we go, okay, this program needs to change. Boom. Well, is that the only one it's affecting? Like, mm-hmm. what other strings does that program have to other aspects? Like, you really need to check all of them because right. we'll forget about the, oh, the, oh, this little subsection over here references the back to this one. Yes, and we need does. to change right. that. So right. it, it, it really should force you to do a reevaluation of everything because you don't know where else that permeates. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it, it once a year at a minimum. At a minimum. At a minimum. And it doesn't... Mm-hmm. The, the leader shouldn't be doing it all the time. They, they need to be still doing it because one for relearning and then we forget about stuff like you're crazy. If you don't think you forget about stuff. Right. And then who's ever working with you. But I, you know, I would bring people in from the field. I, I think that's a lot of companies should do that. Pull people from the field, say, Hey, you're going to be in the office this week because you're going to review this program for me. Mm-hmm. And I need to pull someone else in and say, you're going to review this program for me. Right. And then all pays the same. Pays I don't want to hear the, the bitching. Yeah. I, mean, I just need your, especially in the winter, they don't want to be out there anyway. Right. right? And, and get different eyes on this stuff, but then you get, you're getting different perspectives looking at it as well. Right. Like I'm stale. I have a stale eye to it, but you, you pull someone out of the field or someone out of the shop and let them read it and look, for, look at it, make it part of the job. Hey, this week, all you're doing is just reviewing this, take notes. What do you like? What do you don't like? What do you see that you don't understand? And I just need a third eye on this thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, man, I just got it from the perspective of the crane operator. Mm-hmm. And he's like three quarters of this. We don't even do. What do you mean? You don't even do. That's a great point. No, we, why would, doesn't it make sense? We don't even do that. It's not even applicable. That was three machines ago. You're like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's like, exactly. holy smokes. Exactly. And then work is imagined versus work is done. Right. right? This is how I think it's happening. And what's really happening out there is sure. probably different. A lot of times because, you know, we've all been there. We will figure out the most efficient way to do something as an employee and a worker. Of course. Work smarter, not harder. If I can do it in an hour and they expect me to do it in four hours, I'm going to do it in an hour and then hang out for three hours. Mm -hmm. So employees know how to get really efficient at stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's just preservation of self. Uh, They also know how to do things smarter. Like, I know the procedure says this, but I can eliminate four of those steps. Yeah. now, whether that's safe or not is up for debate. However, there are a lot of best practices out there that we don't know about mm-hmm. as management and leadership because we just haven't mined that information. Mm-hmm. Um, employees are very smart. They're very resilient. Mm-hmm. Very adaptive. Yeah, and, and they figured out better ways to do things. And yeah. They'll keep it quiet because mm-hmm. it's their little secret, and, and, right. and they're getting a leg up because uh, now their dollar per hour has gotten better. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, when, when you get that feedback and you're a stock, you shouldn't really be shocked in some cases, but it's like, well, well, duh, they're doing it every day. Of course, they're going to figure out a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and better is relative. 
Mm-hmm. I understand that. Well, may like you said, safer. they will find it, be safe. They may find a more efficient way to do it. Sure. And you know, it's that I think I was talking last week about that efficiency thoroughness trade off, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to be as efficient as I can be might sacrifice thoroughness up to the point where it's, I believe it's just as safe as it was. Sure. You know, so unless it's all of a sudden now I'm running around on top of the elevator without any fall protection <laughs> or guardrails, I can, I can, I, I can tell that's not as safe. Right. But you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it as efficient as possible. It still seems safe. So mm-hmm. those things are worth considering as the employer. Those might be things that we can implement or maybe we need to rein in a little yeah. bit, but true. Got to be aware. Either of way, it. it's good information. Good information. To find out. Exactly. Uh, you know, so be getting stale is, is, is I think is a restaurant. We, we call it boredom. I'm in mm-hmm. a rut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all said that I'm in a rut. I just don't feel like going to the gym. I'm in a rut. Well, it's probably because you've been doing the same workout over and over. Mm-hmm. Forever. Change it up a little bit. Yeah. Instead of going to the gym, go ride a bike. Instead of try something different. Exactly. Uh, explore something different. Explore a, a new way to go about this fitness thing and this health thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think it's important we look at safety in the same way. Like, what's a new way we can go about thinking about this safety thing just to prevent us from getting in a rut? Uh, because you know as well as I do, uh, when you get in a rut and you stop thinking about it, that's when the accident happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, p- part of the way to avoid to avoid being in a rut and being stale, we, we talked about this, is having the daily stand-up. Mm-hmm. Having the daily before uh, the shift starts and at the end of shift. Hey, let's talk about it. Let's review. Here's the topic of the day. Let's keep this on the top of our mind. Mm-hmm. Let's Let's do a, a review at the end of the day. Hey, what are the near misses we saw? Did we guys see anything? anything yeah, how did it happen? Go? How did it go? And now you're, you're bookending it. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're keeping it fresh. We're still thinking about it. Uh, maybe each day somebody new, somebody different, I shouldn't say somebody new, somebody presents a topic of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe it's a weekly thing, a topic of the week. And then Doug does it this time. Cam does it next time. You're keeping everybody engaged, everybody fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh you have to do things to prevent this this staleness and mm-hmm. this rut from happening. Right. Uh, and and when you're doing that, those those blind spots will disappear because you, now you're going and touching everything, and and you're and you're readdressing and you're revisiting, and now mm-hmm. there's less chance of these things happening. Well, it's no different than it's interesting because I have some clients that have requested monthly visits, so I go to the facilities. On a monthly basis, we'll do walk arounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have blind spots as well. I mean, I might be the safety guy, but I have inherent blind spots. And I and I even notice when I'm walking through a facility, I'm walking past stuff that we've already addressed in a previous mm-hmm. visit, perhaps, or eh, maybe that's they're not gonna get to that. So let me, you know, I I I catch myself. Um, allowing blind spots to exist perhaps or something like that. So changing that up. Part of that's assumptions. Yeah, maybe so. So, you know, in your case, you were there last month. You talked about these four things. So when you show up next month, you make the assumption that they address those four Mm -hmm. things. So you're not going to look at them this time. Right. We're going to move on to these four things. That could be true. And it becomes a blind spot if you're not careful because six months goes by and you haven't looked at it because you make the assumption, well, we already addressed it. Mm -hmm. It it should be fine. And then you look at it and go, oh, shit, they didn't do it right. Right. Haven't done anything. (laughs) In some cases, haven't done anything. So, uh, and and, and I think we do that a lot. We, We make an assumption that when it was addressed at one point, 
it's addressed forever. It was addressed. Yeah. Right? That's it, a great it's comment. Good forever. And that's just mm-hmm. simply not the case. It may never, just because we talked about it doesn't mean they took any action mm-hmm. on it. Not to mention there was an underlying cause for that behavior or condition to exist. And we can comment on the condition and get that corrected. But if we don't address that the root cause, the root cause, that underlying behavior or what allows that to exist or re-exist, it's probably going to recur. Well, and in many cases, it takes time to truly rectify. Like That's true. They'll fix it for a little while. That's but true. But then that behavior is still there and it creeps back in. Right. And it devolves and it takes more than just a one-time effort. Right. It's interesting. In cases. How, how are you doing on time, man? I have no idea what time it is. We started early today. It is 9.30. 9.30. We were talking because we started early today. So, Cam, thanks for coming in early, man. <laughs> that was good. Um, um, Aaron has a hard start on another I, I got, appointment yeah. so so we're good we got some time but we did get in early and i appreciate that and then i was of course late <laughs> <laughs> i was the last one here I was, and I was supposed to bring apple fritters which i didn't he, he i the second i walked in he was saying didn't somebody say something about donuts and i was like that was not me yeah that was me man i yeah, apologize I bus, Doug. i'm sorry <laughs> i will make this right I will make this. I just got behind schedule this morning, and so I got here a little bit later than I had anticipated. So, well, there's no donuts here because you know uh, where we're at. Hell, they don't work on Fridays. I've been. That's told. true. I, my understanding, they only have like a two day work week. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the way it sounds. Yeah, and I, actually, Cam is the only person I've ever seen here. So I walked in. I was like, "Dude, why don't you guys turn the lights on?" It's like a dungeon. He's like, "Well, we're technically not working today." Uh-huh. I was like, well, well, how, what? <laughs> right, you know? right. Allegedly, there's like thousands of people that work here. <laughs> I've only seen this one guy, man. That's fair. So good for you, buddy. Occasionally, I see that other guy, but the you other know, guy. rarely. Well, um, I do think the idea of disguising the reps is an interesting one because we do need repetition. We do need to reiterate. We mm-hmm. do need to revisit. Um, there are regulatory requirements to do that, and there is common sense reasons right. for doing that there's this concept called kata out there um and it's all all part of um the toyota production system and lean six sigma and and kata, kata it's a martial arts term right? i was gonna say i've a, heard a, that a kata is, is a series of movements for come forms sometimes mm-hmm. and it's just meant to get repetition and it's meant to drive home a particular movement and you do it through this sequence of, of this pattern, sequence of movements that you make the student learn and do a bazillion times. And mm-hmm. you got to show your forms and your kata. And it, it's not one, there's value in the discipline of learning the kata and learning the form, but it's also the repetition. Mm-hmm. And in, in corporate world, kata is the same concept of what's the behavior I want out of my employees. Now, how do I institute a method or a series of events or activities to get them to practice that mm-hmm. uh repeat it um become habitual to some degree become habit or, or just make it efficient and proficient mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. learned then i know it's going to be able to permeate throughout the rest of the mm-hmm. company and the culture mm-hmm. right so this concept of kata is just that it's how do i get the repetition to drive home and make permanent this behavior or the skill set that i mm-hmm. want from my employees interesting almost to a to a muscle memory type of Sure, and, and, and it just puts science, just puts science to it. How many reps do I need them to get? Mm-hmm. Right, and how many ways can I get them to get those reps? Yeah, before I bless them as good to go. Right, or before they just abandon ship. I mean, right. which is why we disguise the reps from time to time. Sure, maybe 100%. take a different approach to that, so it's not as mundane necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that is really an interesting challenge. And your comment about 
This is tough because it requires energy on the part of the person leading it. It does. Uh, it's easy just to plug in the same DVD or play the same training every year. It's easy to just read off the sheet at a toolbox right. talk. It's easy. Check the box. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that's tough. So let's getting back to jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> let's go first circle. Yeah, there's safety stuff. Yeah, okay. I'm fine with that. But yeah, no. Um, I did want to comment and everybody at the gym uses rev gear equipment uh -huh. primarily. I know that's a company that you have used for equipment at your gym for that's a long, long with. time. Yeah, that's who we've got. And they have been and I, you know, wanting to be on the team. Right. I I ordered some uh gear from rev gear everybody in the gym uses it all of the instructors seem to use it and there's a lot of their equipment laying around the gym so i ordered some stuff from and of the of the articles that i purchased one did not fit one did not work and so they sent me a survey and i responded to the survey immediately you know great 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 sucked and uh, I, I was contacted within about 15 minutes via text. Is this Doug Fletcher? I'm with Rev Gear. We understand that you weren't satisfied. We want to make it right. I just want to comment that I was really impressed by that. You know, they sent me a T-shirt, which I appreciate. My wife loves it when I get new clothes. Right. <laughs> so she can throw something out. She can throw something out. Yeah. And the one that looks like Swiss cheese. Yeah. Ago. Exactly. <laughs> that old one probably from Westside or something. Yeah. She'll pitch that I've had for 40 years, but yeah, I just wanted to make that comment, man. I, I am very attuned to good customer service, which I think is sorely lacking yes. in, in a lot of cases, which, which makes me laugh right now. We're, we're in this environment where inclusion and acceptance is, is preached. And, and I, and I, but I think at the same time, our basic manners and, oh. and, customs and courtesies you know coming through military we had, we used to have customs and courtesies classes mm -hmm. uh and w which to me is just customer service is just an extension of that right um customer service just seems to it, it just take a back seat um <coughs> in, in a lot of cases and it's just amazing because it's so easy and you can in business you don't you don't even need the best product mm -hmm. you just overserve. That's a great customer. Point. They're going to keep coming back. And in my entrepreneur class, I always tell people, I go, look, you can go to a restaurant and have the best steak ever. I, we've all experienced this. It just melts in your mouth. Mm -hmm. it, you're like, this is heaven. Whatever they did to that, I don't want to know, but it's amazing. But if the hostess <coughs> was rude, the waiter's a dick, you're always having to ask for water and the sides were just okay. You're not going back. Right. But you go back to that sports bar that in reality is just mm -hmm. shitty sports bar food. Microwave food. But it's just fried food. By not by any stretch would you consider it fine dining. But as soon as you walk in, hey Doug, what's going on? Hey, your table's right over there. You want the usual? You don't want for anything. They're nice, they're pleasant, they have conversation. You'll go back there. Absolutely. Over and over and over. No doubt. Because of the experience and the customer service. Okay. You will drive, people will drive across town for a freaking cup of coffee. They will pass by 30 other coffee places right. because of the experience and the customer service, not because of the coffee. I totally agree. And I do that intentionally. And I'm coughing. So, <laughs> excuse me. 
Sorry, man. Cam, uh, <laughs> if that hurt. So I, I think that's a, it's a it's a great separator for mm-hmm. companies. It's just basic customer. It blew your mind it, that they called you. It up. blew my mind, and they took care of it immediately. They and, sent me the right size the next day. Yeah, and for them, uh, it, it seemed like it was, you know, intentional. I mean, they were really wanting to make sure that I was satisfied. And I, I'm not like you. I'm not a. I'm not a customer. I'm a, just a customer. <laughs> right. You know, you're a customer. I mean, you have you know, but a stake in the game, and they understand that. I'm nobody, but they still wanted to make it right. So I just wanted to point out. Um, well, I, know I, I noticed that and appreciated it. They know it permeates, and it's this concept of raving fans. Uh, there's actually a book out there called Raving Fans. It's a great book, and everybody should read it, and, and safety professionals should read it because it's all about buy-in. It's all about it, – it's not how I treat you because it's about how I treat you affects everybody you know. That's true. Absolutely. And if you do it right, I don't – this is – I always butt heads with advertising people at the college because I don't, I don't believe in external advertising. I believe that money's better spent internally on your customers because if I can, if I can spend a hundred bucks on you and you have a fabulous experience and you think for every dollar you spend, you feel like you get 10 back, you're going to tell your friends mm-hmm. and there's no better advertising on the planet than personal referral mm-hmm. from somebody. People will always go. They, I trust Doug. If Doug trusts them, that's all I need to know. Right. That's who I'm going to do business with, or I'm at least going to give them first crack at it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can spend a thousand dollars on marketing, and you're just throwing a net, hoping I catch some fish. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if I spend a thousand bucks on Doug, he's got a fish bowl full mm-hmm. of fish mm-hmm. that I'm now pulling from. Interesting, and, yeah. and that's the approach. And, you know, we can we can apply that to our safety programs really quick. It's like, how do I make people fans of the safety program? And then they'll be my ambassadors of mm-hmm. it from there on out. Exactly. That's a great comment. Um, and that's exactly why, you know, I, I've never noticed that you don't do a lot of advertising of Mid-America. But word of mouth is incredibly strong. That's mm-hmm. how I heard of you. Someone else told me about the gym. And right. and I have told many. And I'm everybody that's listening, I mean, if you're an Omaha native or if you live in the area, I, I would encourage you to check it out. And um, uh, d- you know that that sense of community sure. is really strong, and it's. I, I know that some people are perhaps um, a little bit timid about martial arts. Maybe, maybe they they have a vision of what that's going to be like. I think there's. You know, what's funny is I think there's there's two opposite ends of the spectrum now in martial arts. Um, it, it's it's UFC, mm-hmm. or it's boring. Yes, sensei, no sensei, right? Right. It's, it's Karate Kid or it's UFC. Uh, right. And uh, it's really funny to me because I, I think those are the two perspectives. And then they'll both chase people away. Yes. They both attract people and they both chase people away. Mm-hmm. Or not chase people away, just get people to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's, uh, it's hilarious. And uh, which, by the way, the, the Cobra Kai series is really good if anybody watches Netflix. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's really good. But um, anyhow, yeah, it, it's interesting, uh, the perspective. But you know, what's funny is I actually broke my own rule and this summer, you know, I, I had, I had been pulling some, some extra cash on the side and, and I said, you know, just in case I wanted to do something with the gym or, you know, it's always good to have that, that mm-hmm. emergency fund. And, 
And I had been watching this one company, you know, that would deal with uh, just gyms and then they would do some external marketing for you. And so I took a flyer on it because mm-hmm. I thought what they're doing was pretty good. And, and I thought we could use a, a bump and I freaking hated it. Really? I just hated the whole experience because I'm not a control freak. All, but all of a sudden I was letting somebody else represent me mm-hmm. and the way they were going about doing it, 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 it didn't feel or look like us because it wasn't us. Mm-hmm. And, and then we were getting people coming in that weren't coming in from word of mouth, weren't coming in for personal referral, didn't know anything about us. And we're walking in with just the wrong impression of what mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. or, or the wrong impression of what we were offering. And it, it, it's, it, in my, it was a nightmare in my mind. It, it just, and I stopped it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it cost me a few thousand bucks, but, mm-hmm. but to me, that's the problem with marketing. It's always, mm-hmm. you're rolling the dice. You got better odds at Vegas. Mm-hmm. in a lot of cases uh and and i'll probably never do it again uh, and i hadn't done it in forever but i just kind of revisited and it just reaffirmed what i knew mm-hmm. yeah uh, and, and i think that's you know when you invest in, in your existing customers um if you're going to spend 500 bucks on advertising take that money and throw a party for your existing customers mm-hmm. or or go buy all your existing customers a book and send it to mm-hmm. them say hey thanks for being a customer thought you might like this that's interesting uh, that money's yeah. better spent, yeah. Because now Doug appreciates the T-shirt, he appreciates the book, and he's going to tell somebody about you, right? That and that's gold. That's gold, right? Totally. That's gold. You and I both. I, I I've never done any advertising. I don't use this as advertising for my business. I don't. You know, this is purely informational. It's it's enjoyable. It's fun. Uh-huh. It's not intended to be marketing, other than for my sponsors like Mid American Martial Arts right. and the others. You know, I. I do want to encourage them, but, but if you are an Omaha area native or live in the surrounding communities, you should come by and check it out. Um, I, I, I really enjoy coming to the gym. It's a great place. I've made some great friends there and, you know, I think everybody, uh, has an opportunity to benefit from health, fitness, activity. I think anything training, too, you know, martial arts aside, uh, music, uh, biking, it's just what you, you got to do stuff to keep your life fresh. Mm-hmm. You got to, you got to try new things. You got, you got to explore new things. You can't let yourself get stale, not, not to pull this full circle, but you just can't let yourself get into routine. Mm-hmm. I, I know routine is important. I, I'm a person of routine. I get out of my routine. I don't like it, but within that routine, I'm constantly plugging and playing different mm-hmm. things. Right. Like I said, I added drums into it in the last year. Mm-hmm. Love I'm that. learning drums. You know, I started biking more. Cause, so I bought a new mountain bike because I wanted to mm-hmm. encourage my son to ride more bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I find myself biking more. You know, so you just kind of plug and play things. Um, it's okay to have a backbone, like a, a, a central routine to your week. I think that's important. Otherwise, it, it can be chaos. Not many people can just uh, survive and thrive in chaos. Right? Right. Resilience is a big issue right now in corporate world because people don't do well with change. But it's, so it's okay to have a foundation, but you need to plug and play elements within there. Otherwise, you pick your head up 10 years later and you're just like, man, I've been doing the same thing for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, that's why, you know, people are almost burnt out with work. Well, what does burnt out really mean? Right? Are, are you physically broken? No, you're in an office job, right? It's not like you're an NFL player where the average lifespan is two years because you're right. physically broken. What does burnt out mean? It just means you're bored, you're stale. You've had no variety, um, and that's partly your fault. Yeah, in, in part it is. Absolutely. I would agree. 
We got to get you onto your next appointment, we man. We do. I got another safety meeting. Yeah, you got another safety meeting. We appreciate that. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, remember, um, I think disguise the reps is going to be the buzzword from this one. Be unconventional. Stay fresh. Stay fresh. All of those things are so critical within the safety world. Uh, great ideas. Check out Mid American Martial Arts. Come by for a lesson or just to take a tour or something. Ashley will show you around. There you go. Uh, have a great weekend. Cam, I'll expect to see you over there next week, man. All right, buddy. Thanks, everybody. See Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.